you would turn in your Bible to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. Proverbs 22. Our text for today, once again, will be verse 6 of chapter 22, Proverbs, as we continue our Parenting by the Book series. The last time we began in this verse, and we just got sort of an introduction, trying to convince that we must train up our children. Uh, trying to present a convincing argument that this is a necessary thing for us to do. We pointed out last time, and I'll mention again, that this is primarily for parents of children, but there is participation and involvement, responsibility for every Christian in this important task. Today we'll pick back up in this familiar verse. If you've made your way back to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, please follow along as I read. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Great triune God of Holy Scripture, we come to you asking your blessing on us as we humbly sit under your word. Help us to submit ourselves sitting under your word and not to reign over. Humble our hearts. Help us to submit to your word and your spirit as you convict us. Strengthen us, Lord. Give us, give us strength to be doers, not hearers only. Bless your word to us now. Bless us to receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we heard from Charles Bridges on this verse, and I'd like to once again share what he commented. He says, the hope of at least two generations hangs upon this important rule. How can we look upon a child without thoughtful anxiety? An existence is commenced for eternity. No power of earth or hell can crush it. The whole universe does not afford an object of deeper interest. It is an arrow in the hand of a mighty man, a most powerful instrument of good or evil according to the direction that is given to it. When a baby comes into this world, when a baby is formed in his mother's womb, an eternal soul is created. That's what Bridges refers to. And God places that baby in the care of parents who are tasked with raising him in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. And as we raise children, as we parent, we must remember that our task in parenting is to be done Godward, not childward. Now, the actions that take place in parenting will be toward the child, but the intent of our heart, the focus of our minds and our attention must be to parent in such a way that our heavenly father is pleased. Raising them, instructing them, training them up. We do all this in obedience to God. Our success or failure as parents doesn't lie in how your child turns out, but 
Success or failure as a parent lies in how you obey God. Our text instructs us train up a child. <clears throat> Sometimes it's important for a preacher to, to define things that we all already know. And, and sometimes that may seem silly, but I think sometimes it's important. It allows us to get to, to details that we might overlook otherwise. It, it allows us to find hidden error in our own hearts, in our own thinking, and for that error to be corrected. Well, we need to understand that this training is for children. When you arrive at the station in life that my wife and I are, and some of you are, our children are grown. We still call them children, though they're grown people. They're adults. I don't, I don't know. I don't guess you ever get past that. I told somebody a couple of weeks ago, I think I was telling you, Thomas, that I'm 52. I'm still my mama's baby. Uh, that, that'll never change. But when our children are grown, this instruction, train up a child in the way that he should go, no longer applies to that relationship. If we didn't train up our children when they were children, then in many ways it's too late. Now certainly we serve in an advisory role. Sometimes they ask for our advice and sometimes we give unsolicited advice. But we serve in an advisory role, but, but it can only be advice. This instruction in our text is not for grown people. It's for training up a child. So we need to understand what a child is and, and we need to understand some things about children. First of all, Captain Obvious here, children are children. I, I, I thought it was important to say that. A, a, a child will behave in a childlike manner and this you may need to be informed of. There's nothing wrong with that. We use the term childish. Did you see he was acting so childish? We use that as an indictment for a person who is acting less than their age, less mature than their age should, should uh, provide. And that is a problem when someone's acting less than they are. But, but when a six-year-old acts like a six-year-old, that is number one to be expected and number two completely normal completely normal first corinthians 13 verse 11 speaks to this this is a verse that we may be familiar with but we're not going to use the the verse's main point as as what we're speaking to here. The main point of 1 Corinthians, if you remember, is addressing love and showing Christian love to one another. Uh, but, but 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this, uh, Paul speaking here to the Corinthian church. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we need to learn some things from this verse. There are things that we can see here. The first I've already noted, there's no criticism for a child acting like a child. Paul doesn't say here, 
you wouldn't believe how awful I was. When I was a child, I acted like a child. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's just making this matter of fact statement. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. And we learn from this that children act like children. And well, they should because they are children. Secondly, we learn from this. Paul says, when, when I became a man, I put away childish things. He is no longer behaving in a childlike manner. So we learn that there comes a time for every person when acting like a child is a shame. When acting like a child is even sinful. So parents, in, in parenting our children, we should be planning for the day when our infant becomes a toddler, the toddler becomes a little boy or a little girl, and then that child matures into adulthood. We should be preparing for that day. So we expect children to act like children, but we also should expect over time for children to mature, for children to grow and to gradually and then finally put away childishness. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. In the third place, let us note the phases of growth that we find in this verse. Our modern society gives us all sorts of classifications. We have children, we have preteens, we have youth, we have college, we call them college kids. You're grown people. And we have all the letters that we refer to in our, our those gen letters, you know, Gen Y, AKA millennial, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. I just learned that one this week. That's uh, if you're under 10 years old, that's you, you're Gen Alpha. We have these classifications, but the other thing that we have in our society is so many lowered expectations and excuses for people in these different classes. I actually had one young lady about 23 years old say to me not so long ago, we're young, we're supposed to have fun and make lots of mistakes. How dumb. A 23 year old man or woman is not supposed to be quote, having fun and making a lot of mistakes. Do we expect mistakes? Yes. But you're supposed to be behaving like a grown man. You're supposed to be behaving like a grown woman trying to do things right. My point is that in this verse, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul gives us two classes, children and adults. And that's pretty much the biblical take on the matter. That's what we see in scripture. There are boys and girls and there are men and women. When you're a child, you behave as a child. And when you're an adult, you put away childishness. So parents don't think that this train up a child instruction is for dealing with. Have I mentioned lately that everybody could get mad in this whole series? Yeah, okay. Don't think that this train up a child instruction is for dealing with your 16, 17, 18 year old. In ages past, 
Those grown people, I'm referring to the 16, 17, 18 year olds, would be married. They'd be parenting their own children. They'd be working in factories. They'd be going to war. They'd be grown people. They'd be adults. Young man, young woman, just because society tells you that you should act stupid doesn't mean you need to believe that. Grow up. I, I, I see this in young people. I also see this in parents. I just want them to enjoy whatever. Junior high, high school, college. And what they mean by that is I want them to go out and sow those same wild oats that the world sows. That's how they say it. I want them to go out and send up just like the world sends. I want them to go out and be immature and act childish. That's ridiculous. Young people don't buy into that. Don't buy it. Even if, even if you hear that from all the people around you, don't buy into that nonsense. Grow up. Be a grown person. Now, you may have to work on the difficult to navigate circumstance of you as a grown person living at home under your parents' roof. But don't just use I live at home as an excuse to behave like a child. And parents, this child training, train up a child. By the time you're child grows to 16, 17, 18, you should be doing far more advising, far more counsel and less commanding. And 16, 17, 18 year old, you should behave in such a way that your parents only have to advise and suggest. I, I knew a man at the first church that I was on staff at who, would, who proudly declared one day that he had recently spanked his 18 year old son. Brothers and sisters, two things became evident in that moment. Number one, that this father had failed in some way in training his child when he was a child. And number two, that he was about to fail again as the father of an adult by using the rod of correction on a grown man. Should there be consequences for 18-year-olds' foolish actions? Certainly, absolutely. But the day for spanking should have long been passed. Spankings, now some of you children won't believe this, but spankings are a light consequence and an easy tool for disciplining children. Adult consequences and grown-up discipline is much harder. I don't remember which one of my children, but I remember one of them coming to me and saying, I wish this was something you could just spank me for. And it would be done. But no, you're grown. Things change. One last thing we learned from this verse, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. This last thing that we learn here is for children. So if you're here listening to me, you understand the English language. I'm talking to you. Children. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention. And, and I shouldn't need to tell you that because I want you to know, children, you should be trained and in training to listen to the preaching. You should be listening 
Uh, but right now, I want you to listen closely because this is for you. This is just for you. Parents, don't listen to this one. It's just for the children. Children, here in this verse, when Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I understood or comprehended things like a child. I reasoned like a child. Boys and girls, you need to know this about yourself. You, you need to understand this about yourself. There will be many times when your parents or your pastors or your teachers, but primarily your parents will, will say something or they will do something and you will think that doesn't make sense to me. That, that will happen and it will happen often. You might think, why do I have to do that? You may not understand something they say or something they do or something they require you to say or do. I want you to remember these words from the scripture here. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. And I want you to know that your thinking, because you were a child, your thinking has not fully developed. You need practice in reasoning, but you need to know that you're still a child and your reasoning will be like that of a child. Now, certainly if you're six or if you're 12, there's going to be a difference, right? You should be growing in that, but you're still going to be reasoning and thinking in many ways like a child. Too quick to come to a decision. Seeing things that your parents see with nuance and, and grace and you see in black and white. Your thinking will be done with not enough information a lot of times. Your thinking will be done with not enough experience many times. And in those times when you think, I don't understand this. I don't know why my parents are saying this thing or requiring this thing. In those times, you need to submit yourself to God by obeying and submitting to your parents. Now, sometimes, and this is a good thing when it happens, sometimes you may be able to ask your parents, can you help me very respectfully? Can you help me understand that better? Sometimes you can ask that, but there will be other times when you just need to obey without questioning your mom and dad. And sometimes you won't like that. Many, if you're like me, you'll never like it. But when you don't like it, I want you to know why. It's either because the sin in your heart wants to rebel, or it's because you're just thinking like a child. And, and you need to wait until you get to that time where you're grown up, till you understand. It's amazing how many things as a child I could not believe about my parents. And when I became an adult, when my thinking matured, when my understanding and my reasoning matured, I had to go back to my parents and say, I didn't like that when I was a kid, but I really thank you for it now. Okay, back to parents. But kids, y'all still listen, because you're going to want to know this stuff. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's our text here from Proverbs 22, 6. This training up a child is an important task and a very important task. I thought 
when we began this, what I was calling a short series, I've stopped saying that because I don't know how long we'll be here. I thought it would be three sermons maybe. Uh, at this point, I have no idea. We could spend a whole lot of time in this and not exhaust all that Scripture has to say. But this is an important task. And we need to understand that when Scripture instructs us in this important task, it doesn't just leave us with no information. We, we need to understand the specifics that are given. If you'll remember, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up how? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We get the how. Here we have train up a child in the way that he should go. Now listen, to say I'm going to train up my child in any old way, that is not the command. Train up the child in the way that he should go. And, and let's point out here, it's the way that he should go, not the way that he would go. It's the way that he should go, not the way that he would go. I've heard many preachers and teachers address this familiar verse. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And they take a truth and they turn it into something false. That They take this and they say, well, translated literally, and this is a truth. This should say, train up a child according to his way. Uh, let me just remind you that none of the English translators said that in our, in our models, in our translations. But literally, that's what the words mean. Train up the child according to his way. And some have taken that and said, this, this means that we should train a child according to his bent, according to his personality, according to his likes and dislikes, according to his own fancies. One writer purporting this idea said, it's all about getting to know each child and teaching him in a way that fits his personalities, talents, and interests, or his unique design. Well, listen, I think there is something in parenting of, that, that pertains to that. That every child is unique. Every child is different. And there are certainly adjustments to be made from one child to another. Uh, parenting is not a one-size-fits-all. And if you don't know that, that tells me you probably have zero or one child. Because if you've got two children, you instantly know, like, yep, this is not like the last. This is, they're, they're different. And I, there's something to be said there. Uh, but the things that are effective for one child may not be effective for another. The thing that is too harsh for one child might be exactly right for another. Uh, the, the things that work with one may not work. And, and all our English translators give us the sense of the text. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And the way that he should go, though there is nuance with every child, the way that he should go is the same way that every child should go. What we're talking about here is there is a biblical way. There is a godly way. There is an honest way. There is a respectful way. And that's the way that he should go. That's the way that she should go. That's the way that all children should go. The Bible is clear. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end is what? Death. There's a way that seems right, and that is 
also pertaining to our children, if we leave them to their own way, the end will be death. A child left to himself will bring his mother shame. Verse 17 of Proverbs 29 says, correct your son and he will comfort you. He will also delight your soul. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Correct him. Train him. So please dispense with the idea that the Bible teaches us to pamper our children, to cater to our children, to cater to their fallen nature. Hear what J.C. Ryle says on the subject. Uh, I, I thought of this when we read earlier uh, the, the, the fall passage, the, the fall of man and the curse on the ground. And now the ground will grow thorns and thistles and weeds. Listen to Ryle. Our hearts are like the earth on which we tread. Let it alone and it is sure to bear weeds. If then you would deal wisely with your child, you must not leave him to the guidance of his own will. Think for him, judge for him, act for him, just as you would for one weak and blind, but for pity's sake, Give him not up to his own wayward tastes and inclinations. We must train up a child in the way that he should go, not in the way that he would go. This means there is an oughtness to the way. There is an oughtness. Just as a child must not go the way of his own fallen nature, parents, don't train up your child according to your fallenness. Uh, don't think, as many of us have the tendency to think, that we know all things. Don't think you just have this preloaded parenting wisdom. It's true, most of us tend to follow in the way in which we were parented. How our parents did it, that's generally how we will do it. And the influences of those people who shaped us is, is almost inescapable. But we need to weigh those influences, weigh those actions, weigh those methods, weigh those things in the balance of Scripture, and then only hold on to those things which align with God's way. We must train up our children. I wrote these things. I think we'll see them again. We must train up our children in the knowledge of Scripture. We live in a world where people don't know the Bible. Maybe you would say, that's me. I don't know the Bible. We need to train our children, even if it means training ourselves as we train our children in the knowledge of Scripture. Can I tell you this? Your children need to see you reading the Bible. They don't just need to hear you say you read the Bible. They need to see it. That's why it's so important that your children are sitting right here with you today. That your children are seeing you in this moment submitted to the word of God. Yeah. They need to see that. You need to train your children in the habit of prayer. You need to train your children in the habit of diligence to the means of grace. How easy it would be to just say I don't think I'm going to church today. 
What Sunday do you think I could say, I'm not tired? I'm tired every Sunday. Are you tired every Sunday? Yet you're here. Parents, we're all tired. And in Texas, most of the time, we all got a little sniffle. Now listen, I'm not saying, if if you're sick, we don't want it. Okay? If you're sick, stay away. We don't want that. There are times when we have to miss, but I see such a tendency for us to neglect the means of grace. And we train our children in it. We say, I'm a Christian. And they already know the Bible commands that we forsake not the assembly of ourselves together, such as the manner of some. But then we say, but I'm going to do that anyway. Train your children in the habit of diligence in the means of grace. Train your children in the habit of obedience. We're going to hear these again. Train your children in the habit of truth. Train your children remembering that their eternal soul is the first priority. It's not the only thing. We've got to deal with lots of things, but it is the first priority, their eternal soul. Train your children remembering how God disciplines his children. Train your children remembering the importance of your own example. We'll touch on this again. Train your children remembering the promises of Scripture. Train your children remembering your own inability. Pray for God's help. I'm so thankful to see our young parents in times that God gives us when we are faced with our own inability. Parenting is an impossible task. Go to your knees. Pray God's help. And then get up and do the task. There are two paths which lie before your children. The way that he would go. The way that leads to ruin and regret. And there's the way that he should go. And scripture gives us reason that when we train them in the way that they should go, we have reason to hope for a good and profitable maturity. Commenting on this verse, Matthew Poole says we must train up our child according to his capacity, or rather in that course or manner of life which thou wouldst have him choose and follow. You know what that means, parents? You gotta think for him. You gotta say, this is the way you're gonna go. And I'm gonna help you in that way. You gotta, you gotta do that. There's something about knowing your child's abilities. He says, Matthew Poole says, train them according to their capacity. Listen, a child to which scripture memory comes easily should be required. There should be more required of him than one to whom it is more difficult. A, A child who gets C grades because that's the best he can do. It's different from a child who gets seized because he's lazy and he's coasting. Train up your child according to his capacity. The issue is not in that whether they grasp algebra or Texas history. The issue is one of character. There's something else here, and I don't exactly know how to mention it. I'll I'll try to hurry. The, The Hebrew in this verse brings in the idea of the mouth. Uh, It's like it says here, train your child in the way that he should go 
over the mouth. And, and it's hard for me to, to, to put that how it should be. The idea here of over the mouth has proven in my, in my experience to be difficult, but, but there are things that we can understand. The, the mouth sometimes is referred to, or it's a reference to the opening of something, the start of something, the beginning of something. You might think of the mouth of a river or the mouth of a cave. Uh, a city gate might be called the mouth to the city. Uh, so Matthew Poole takes this to mean that child training must begin, quote, in the beginning of his way, at the mouth of his way. In the beginning of his way, in his tender years, as soon as he is capable of instruction. New parents, that's sooner than you think. Whether this is intended by the over-the-mouth phrase in this verse, I, I, I couldn't tell you. But, but I do know this. A need for an early start in child training is unquestionable. Charles Bridges points us to 1 Samuel to the, to the example of Hannah who dedicated her child to the Lord before he was born. John Gill says it must be, quote, even from his infancy or as children are fed by little bits or a little at a time as their mouth can receive it. Don't just wait until your child can take a whole bite. Start with little bits. Child training starts very early. I spoke to one Reformed Baptist pastor, a friend of mine, and we were talking about this child training thing. He's teaching a series on child training. I'm preaching a series on child training. He, he talked about another pastor that we both know who had commented, child training should begin at two. Two years old. I would love to take comments from parents at this point. <laughs> two years old is too old. Two years old is too late. I've never heard a parent say we started child training too early. I heard there's so many things about this. I, I heard a man asked. It, it was a, again a couple pastors, and one of the pastors who has young children asked me and another pastor, "When do you start? When do you start?" And the, the other pastor's answer was way better than anything I would have said. He said, "Sooner than you think." And then he said, how old are your kids? And then he said, you're already behind. It's sooner than you think. Uh, parents, don't turn a blind eye to the training of your child. Long before he can walk, long before he can talk, he will begin to manifest his sin nature. And you must take age-appropriate measures to train your child in honesty, in patience, in obedience. Child-appropriate, age-appropriate measures. Charles Bridges reminds us of the importance of our words being matched by our life when we train up our children. He says, but this training must be practical. The mere talk to a child about religion without bearing it to him upon his habits and self-willed tempers is utterly ineffective. Here also lies the momentous weight of Christian consistency. If the child hears of godliness, but sees only wickedness, this will bring him bread with one hand and poison with the other, beckoning him with the one hand to heaven while taking him by the hand and leading him to the way of destruction with the other. 
Who would receive the choicest food from a leprous hand? Fathers and mothers, our children are more influenced by what they see in us than what they hear from us. Seeing their parents live in a way that contradicts what they hear will harden our child's heart. And they will follow in our hypocrisy. This verse continues, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, some have taken this to mean, well, there's a guarantee. We're gonna train up our children. They are all going to rebel and, and leave home and leave the faith and, and walk away from God. And then when they're old, meaning when they're really old and when they're decrepit, then they'll come back. That's not the meaning of this verse. I've heard so many times that Christian Elderly Christian people claim this verse as a promise. My son said a prayer when he was five and he walked away from the Lord as soon as he was able. Now he's lived like 60 some years without a day thinking about Christ. But I know that's not what this verse leaves us. This verse does not give us a we have God over a barrel now. Listen, if you can say, yes, I perfectly trained up my child in the way that he should go. You still wouldn't have God over a barrel, but I've never seen anybody who can say, yes, I perfectly trained up my child in the way that he should go. We have no guarantee here. What we have is the best way that we can train up our children. We need to understand that when he is old, it's not when he's old and decrepit. It means when he is older, when he is of age, when he is grown, when he is matured. This hope, this hope in our labor as parenting is to see fruit born when our children pass from childhood to adulthood. Our work in training up a child lays a foundation and it should be a solid foundation, a foundation as solid as the rock of Jesus Christ. But a child's mind will not be voided. If you don't lay a solid foundation of Christ in the life of your child, it's not as though you're saying, well, solid foundation of Christ or nothing. No, the void of your child's mind will be filled by something. The world will fill it. His own sin nature will fill it. What is at stake is a godly foundation versus shifting sand. Wholesomeness versus poison. So train up a child in the way that he should go. And that lays a foundation of godliness in the life of our children. In considering this verse, we need to understand it as a proverb. It's not a blanket guarantee. It's a proverb. We see examples in scripture and we could probably name examples of parents who did not train their children in the way that he should go. And later in life, by God's grace and mercy, he saved that child. Some of you would say, that's my testimony. What? Reason to give thanks and praise to God that he saves in spite of the failure of parents. Parents, wow, do we need God's grace in that? 
God saves in spite. We all know examples of, of parents, Christian parents, who have raised their children all in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, all in the way that they should go. But one foolishly rebels and rejects Christ and remains in their sin. You'll never raise up your child in the way that you should go perfectly. And when we do our best, we never put God in our debt. So how do we read this verse? How do we understand this verse? How are we to believe this word from God? We are to train up our children in the way that they should go. Most, most parents in this world deal with their children as though they were created for this world only. Most parents deal with their children as though there was no eternal heaven or hell. They might say things like, well, in order for my child to survive in the world, they must be like the world. And then they guide their child into the same evil that is all around them. They set their child's feet on the broad path trodden by so many leading to destruction. They raise their children for time and not eternity. Parents, we must not raise our children for this life only. The soul of our children is the primary focus. We who believe God's word, we must take the salvation of our child's soul as the main focus of all discipline, all discipleship, all learning, all education. The main thing is the salvation of their soul. We must concentrate our children's attention on interests, on matters of the soul. We must focus not on accomplishments, not on scholarship, but on godliness. I'm not saying neglect scholarship. I'm not saying neglect accomplishments, but the focus is on godliness. What good is that education without God? What good are, are the world's accomplishments without God? What good are the accolades of their peers and superiors with a lost soul? People who have all of the praise of the world, but their soul is lost. Those people are to be pitied. And parents, we must train our children in the way that they should go. We do this in obedience to God. And then based on his word, we can expect to reap the reward of the faithful. God, we need your help. We, we pray that you would strengthen us. We pray that you would convict us. Lord, we pray that in the things that we're doing well, and, and I thank you that we do see so many parents doing well in training their children. I pray that you would encourage us in those things. I pray that those things would become contagious. God, convict us where we fail. Convict us. Forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us for our own childishness. <clears throat> Help us that as we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that, that our families would be testimonies to the 
grace of God. God, we pray that you save our children. Lord, we know that there's no way if we did every every good thing in every parenting book on the shelves at the bookstore, there's no way that we can save our children. We, we will obey the, as best we can. We will parent God we're pleasing you. But God, in the end, we, we come to you for the salvation of the soul of our children. God, we pray that you draw them to Christ early. We pray that you draw them to Christ. Even, Lord, as, as we have children here in the womb, all the way up to 12, 13 years old, Lord, we pray. We pray that you would teach them the fear of God. We pray that as fathers and mothers that we would we would do well in representing you to our children. God, for those of us who have passed this station in life and we see these parental instructions and we look at our own lives and we see so many failures, we come before you and we pray for forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us where we fail to bring up our children in the way that they should go in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. God, we thank you for those that we have seen come to Christ. We thank you that your mercy, that your grace is greater than our own failure as parents, greater than our own sin. And God, for those who have not yet come to Christ, we pray that you would draw them to Jesus. Help them to see the failures in their father and know that we have a perfect heavenly father. Help them to see the good things in their father and know that that is only because of our perfect heavenly father. God, we pray that you save our children. Lord, we thank you for our own salvation. We thank you for drawing us when we were not looking when we were not searching, when we were not seeking, we, we proved the truth of Scripture that no one seeks God. But you saw us. And you brought us up out of the miry clay, out of the pit. You set our feet on the solid rock and established our way. Put a new song in our mouth, even praise unto our God. We thank you for our own salvation. We give you thanks, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.